Today's guest is a woman with many passions, passions that she is using in her life to not only empower others, but also help them find the skill sets and all of the tools that they need to succeed. Maria Reyes, or Majet, is a pre-licensed professional counselor with a Master's of Science degree in Community and Trauma Counseling from Jefferson University. A former paramedic, she now owns Resilient Mind Works in Northern Liberties, Philadelphia, where she works with first responders, creatives, millennials, and couples who are struggling with anxiety, depression, PTSD, and helps them process their past so they can live in the present and plan a fulfilling future. Majette is the owner of Diva Girl Philadelphia, which is a lifestyle community that educates and empowers women by hosting conferences, volunteer abroad programs, and workshops. She is an international volunteer, having done medical missions in the Philippines twice, helped rebuild in Puerto Rico in 2018, and since 2016 has been working with women and children in Nepal, Ghana, Peru, and India. She is also an adjunct professor at Jefferson University in Philadelphia and teaches yoga to children. Are you ready to dive in and learn more about Majet? I sure am. Hello friends, welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a personal branding expert and photographer. I am so excited you are here with me today to chat all about personal branding, personal development, and life overall in the second phase. What is the second phase? The second phase for me was a change in careers and learning how to navigate a new world and build a business from the ground up when I was terrified to put myself out into the world. For some, the second phase is a significant lifestyle change, a traumatic loss, a move, an illness. It could be any number of things. No matter the definition of your second phase, we are here together to learn about creating a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact and grow as our authentic selves and follow our callings, our passions, our visions, and our values. Now grab your cup of coffee or the dog's leash and let's dive in to a new episode. Good morning, Maria, aka Majet. How are you? I'm excited. I'm super happy to be here. How are you? I am great, and welcome to the Second Phase Podcast. I am, like you, very excited, and I can't wait to share your story with my listeners. Cool. I'm so excited about this. I've been looking forward to this for the whole week, so let's do it. Here we go. Tell us a little bit about you. Sure. So first off, I grew up in the Philippines um, and came to the United States when I was 16. And then I've been in the U.S. for over 20 years now. So you do the math. Um, So I feel like, you know, Philly is my home. Um, I grew up in North Philly, went to four different high schools. um, And when 9-11 happens, I'm like, I'm going to be a paramedic. And now what I do is I'm a mental health therapist, I'm a matchmaker, I own Diva Girl Philly, and I'm a mother to a seven-year-old girl. And I also teach um, grad students at Jefferson University. Oh my goodness. Do you sleep? (laughs) I take naps. (laughs) 
okay, I'm fascinated by, so basically your first phase was becoming a paramedic. That is correct. And you did that from the inspiration of 9-11. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I was going to go for nursing. So I was actually taking classes, the prerequisites to become a nurse, um, because all Filipinos in America and all parts of the world become nurses. It's just the culture. Either you're a nurse or you're a Navy, a Navy person. Um, you know, you really? go to the military um, or an accountant, you know, CPA. But, but I was like, okay, well, I think I'm going to go for nursing just like most Filipino women in the U.S. So Is her I, mom a nurse? No, she's not. Okay. Um, <laughs> she's a school teacher. She was okay. a school teacher. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then she, and yeah, and here in the States too, she was a school teacher. She's retired now. Okay. Um, yeah, and then um, I was taking my prerequisites to become a nurse and then 9-11 happened and I felt like, oh my God, like I want to help and I didn't know how. Um, and I called the Red Cross and I said, you know, like, I want to help. How can I help? And they said, well, are you a first responder? Are you a cop, a paramedic, or a firefighter? And I said, no, I'm not a dose, but I'm a nursing student. And then the, and the woman from the Red Cross said, well, you know what you can do? You can donate blood. And I said, how is that going to help? So <laughs> I had this need to like, I want to help. Like, maybe I should be a, um, a first responder. And I thought, I don't want to be a firefighter going into burning buildings. I don't want to be a cop. Um, but I'm like, what is paramedics? Like, what is that? Like, let me check that out. So I literally look into a phone book, look for a paramedic school, and there's one in Philly. And I saw that it was Tar Star Technical Institute. Um, and I don't know if they're still around, but I checked that out, went there, um, left the nursing program that I was in and went and became an EMT first. So I was in, I was in EMT school for three months and then a two-year program to be a paramedic. So there's a difference between an EMT and a paramedic. Paramedics can do more things, more invasive things, start an IV, um, intubate, and all that fun stuff and give medication. So, so it's funny when I told my family that, they're like, what is that? It's like, you know, they're very familiar with the medical field and nursing and stuff like that. But when it comes to EMS or emergency medical services, it's, it's foreign for them. So, but, but yeah, but that's what I wanted to do. And I did that for 13 years. I, do you know, I had no idea that there was a difference between an EMT and a paramedic. Yeah, it's very common that a lot of people don't know that there's a difference. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like um, a year and a half um, more schooling for paramedics. Wow. Yeah. And so you're nursing, the, the time that you spent in nursing school was actually put to good use. Yeah, I was taking like prerequisites. So they're like English classes. Oh, so you weren't, you didn't have any hands on like pure medical training yet? Just not yet. Not okay. yet. Yes. Yeah. And how old were you when you decided to become a paramedic? Um, I was 22. Yeah. Very young. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Wow. And you did that for 13 years, you said? Or I did. I did it for 13 years. Um, and uh, and I loved it. I loved it a lot. Um, and I was gung-ho. Um, and I met some really, really good people. And not so really, really good ones. And the experience was just, you know, there were a lot of... Um, 
um, like it's so unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So I got to a point where in I'm so used to chaos that, you know, people think that I'm always just calm. Um, because you know, when you go in this field, like you're expected to be the calm one. Yeah. So that's one thing that I loved about it. But deep down inside, I'm always like, you know, my, my sympathetic and parasympathetic is always just like fight or flight mode. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, but, but those are some of the skills and being able to be um, a good multitasker too. Like those are some of the skills and working in a group, in a team, you know, with one goal, like those were the great things about it. Um, and I loved it. So yeah. your adrenaline would have had to have been high all the time. Like just, yeah. you know, the second you got that call, not having any idea what you're actually walking into or what you're going to see when you get there and then having to immediately adapt to whatever that situation is and just go full speed ahead to save someone. Yeah, 100%. And it's not always like, you know, dramatic all the time. Like, it's not always dramatic. It's not always like a life uh, and death type of situation. It's not always like that. But yes, your body is like, you know, needs to be prepared for the unexpected. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it is definitely, it was a, a, an adrenaline rush. Yeah. yeah, I would think so. But I think like you said, you, you would, you learned a lot of life skills through doing yeah. that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because when I left that field, I had to learn how to not be in a fight or flight mode, not to be in that multitasking mo mode all the time. Cause it's not really good like to be multitasking all the time. Yeah. Focus on one thing. Like I had to not necessarily unlearn those things, but to like step back and be more in the moment. So, you know, so now you are a trauma counselor. Yes. And so you, I would imagine in you, you saw and experienced a lot of trauma in that job, mm -hmm. but being a trauma counselor could mean trauma on so many different levels, not just like an emergency situation but yet some of the trauma situations that you're probably counseling on like PTSD could have occurred from a trauma situation, like what you witnessed and helped save someone from or, or arrived on the scene of. So tell, tell me a little bit about your journey. Like how did you decide from going from a paramedic to become a trauma counselor? Yeah. Like, um, this is the fun story because, um, I knew like when I had my daughter, um, in 2013, I felt like, okay, I am not growing in this field. I was hitting a glass ceiling mm -hmm. and I was like, I need to advance. I need to do something else. This is not fulfilling for me anymore. Um, so what field should I go into? Um, and I thought, oh, maybe I should try nursing again. So I applied to nursing schools, but for some reason I could not get into like it could, I was not being accepted to all these nursing schools. Um, a lot of paramedics do that. Like um, if they're done with, you know, going into calls and like lifting people and, and stuff like that, done with the adrenaline rush, they go to nursing school or they become um, PAs, physician assistants. Mm -hmm. um, so I was trying to go that route. Um, so I applied to nursing school, I applied to PA programs and it was just so hard to get into. I was just having so much resistance. And then I just put it out there in the universe and told, and told God or whatever is out there that, you know, like, I don't want to be a paramedic anymore. Like, I know that 
clear that I don't want to do this anymore. Um, I need to do something else to feel happy and fulfilled. Um, and I want to be a good example to my daughter. I'm like, you know, she's going to grow up with a mom who's miserable. And, you know, and I don't want to keep telling her to be happy, be happy, be happy. But then her example is somebody who's miserable and absent you know, like not around because of her job. Um, so I was like, okay, like, I know I don't want to do this anymore. Like, let me know what is my purpose. And then I got a card, a postcard from Philadelphia University, which is, um, which is Jefferson University now. Uh-huh. I had a postcard saying, hey, we have a new program called Community and Trauma Counseling. Um, there's an open house. Come and check it out. Now, I went to Philadelphia University for my undergrad. So I said, oh, I love that place. Let me go check it out. You know, and so, so I went, not really knowing what it is about, but I think what caught me, like caught my attention was the trauma. Mm-hmm. Like for me, my backstory was that I have endured trauma. And this you talking about like what trauma is, like it's not necessarily um, the big traumas that everybody think about the um, rape or abuse or, you know, or volcanic eruptions and stuff like that. Like, you know, or, you know, like really tragic events like car accidents. Like those are traumas. Those are the big traumas, what we call. And then you have the little traumas. Now the little traumas are the accumulation of things that happen to us that is painful mm-hmm. you know and then in the, the cumulative and that um that goes from like um verbal abuse or neglect um and you know and and bullying like like those are or like we don't our father left us or, or your mother had left like those things are like little events that happen that when that it accumulates like that left a mark on us Mm-hmm. So anyways, going back to my journey into becoming a trauma therapist, um, so that word trauma, community and trauma counseling, on the postcard, I thought, like, I need to check this out. Yeah. So I went, and they talked about, you know, what trauma is and how a lot of communities um, are, has had some traumas and are still experiencing traumas and, you know, and, and where PTSD comes from. And then I started to realize that I, I've had um, some traumas that happened to me. And I said, um, you know, like I, like growing up in the Philippines, although we live in a very um, secure, safe place and my parents made uh, enough money for to send me to Catholic school like I saw poverty um, I've experienced um, earthquakes like seven to eight on the Richter scale like yeah. thinking that I will not I will not see my parents again because of the, the you know really bad earthquake that's happening at school and it happened multiple times like you yeah. know like, like so and then I've also experienced volcanic eruptions like you know like we had ash falls um and and that, those were the times when we were like oh my god it's the end of the world as a child you know like it's it's traumatic yeah I didn't it's think significant. It that yeah it is significant and that's what it is significant events that happened in our lives so and then um and then the trauma of moving from um my own country for 16 years I've lived and made friends with and my cousins were there like moving to America not knowing anyone and being mm-hmm. culture shocked that's traumatic for a child people will not think that's tra- most people will not think that's trauma but you're right it's something significant yes right 
And then, you know, and then seeing 9-11 and up until now, there are people who have been traumatized by that event and they live on in another, in the other part of the country. Mm-hmm. Like those are traumas, significant events, just like what you said. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then, and one of the things too, like that says trauma in my life was that um, when I was working as a paramedic, um, um, I was actually assaulted by my coworkers. And when, when that happened, I didn't know what to do. Like, you know, it was, it was so tragic that I went into depression and anxiety and PT- and I was suffering PTSD back then. And I did not know any of that. You know, so I drank and partied, sm- smoked. Okay to say that. Yeah, of course. I mean, these are all things that happen in life, right? Everybody makes decisions and sometimes we make really bad choices, but sometimes they work out for the best because they're learning experiences, right? Yeah. And that's another thing, right? Like um, we do things because we are who we are because of what happened to us in our past. And during that time when I was drinking and smoking pot, we're like, you know, I wanted to forget that traumatic event that happened to me. Um, And, you know, and to a point where I'm like, one night I was just like, okay, I'm just so tired. I don't want to deal with this anymore, emotionally, mentally, physically. Then I was like, you know, I'm going to go drink a whole bottle of vodka and make myself a key, a key lime martini. There you go. And then, smoke all the pot in my apartment and listen to red hot chili peppers um you know um zephyr's song i remember this particular moment because i was and took all my sleeping pills so all my lunesta pills so that i can just sleep my hope was just like i just want to sleep i just want to sleep and forget about all this hoping that i won't wake up the next day anymore but i woke up obviously and I, you know, I'm up and I was like, oh, that's, I have a really bad um, hangover. And I realized, okay, well, I guess I'm so alive. So I got to keep going. And, you know, and then things have happened. And I was like, you know, and then, so that is that postcard. And with that word trauma, I realized that, man, I got so much poop to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I have to, like I have a lot of traumas that I need to process. So right away in that program, I was hooked. I was like, I need to be a part of this because I got a lot of stuff to take care of. Um, and, you know, and it still took me 10 years in a semester in grad school to realize that I need a therapist and process all of the significant events that happened in my life. Um, so... And fast forward to where I am now as a trauma therapist, like I do help or I help people who are struggling with anxiety, depression, and PTSD. I know how it felt like. And a lot of us have had those instances in our lives when we feel really depressed and really anxious. Um, And a lot of the people I work with are actually first responders. And me being able to understand the everyday traumas that they see would work that became normalized. Like, you know, oh, it's another, you know, it's a Tuesday. It must be a Tuesday. You know, it's a car crash. You know, like, it's like, you know, like those, you're, you're still human beings and you still feel emotions towards that. But then you don't talk about emotions because it's, it's not part of being you know and like as a first responder you don't talk about emotions you don't talk about the f word no 
feelings. Yeah. And I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking you have to almost separate the, phys- the physicality of being a paramedic and the emotional piece of being human because you can't be working on someone and doing your job. And if your emotions get in the way, you're not going to be able to do it successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to separate that. So I would imagine there's a lot of emotional suppression, which then leads to the building up of anxiety, which then causes the depression because you don't know how to handle the anxiety. So it's like this vicious cycle. 100%. Yeah. So imagine working in that field for 10 years, 20 years, and you don't talk about what you see or yeah. what you saw, you know, and the feelings that you felt about those things. Um, and it leads to a lot of substance abuse, suicide, depression, anxiety, and, you know, divorces. Yeah. So, so yeah. So. Wow. So you talk a lot about, or I, I shouldn't say you talk a lot about, but you've mentioned to me that um, your goal is to normalize therapy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I love that because there's been such a stereotype for so many years. I mean, growing up, I know that my grandmother had mental illness of some sort. I don't know if it was bipolar disorder. Maybe it was just depression not just depression, but depression outside of bipolar disorder, but there was something there, but that was something people did not talk about. Mm-mm. We're not going to go get help for that because then you would be judged. And, you know, now more and more people talk openly about going to therapy and mm-hmm. it's almost like it's becoming more normal. So talk a little bit about that and how you, how you're doing that to make it more normal. Yeah, there's such a big stigma about mental health and seeking for help. Um, and the, but to be honest with you, the, with the generation now, the millennials and the younger generation, they're actually three times more likely than their parents to seek out um, help from a therapist. So it, we're going that direction of like um, normalizing counseling. Um, and and yes, like especially in like in the the fire departments um, in our country or around the world, like, you know, like, um, like seeking help from a therapist and talk about your feelings, a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And not even in just that field, like in general, Mm -hmm. like people, what you can't, you know, you can't handle your problems. So you're going to go get um, a a person who you don't know and pay them and tell them about your problems. Go come, come to the bar. It's easier, right? Go to the bar, you know, because that's normal to go to the bar, get a drink and then drink your problems away. You know, that's normal, but you know, but, going to someone, a stranger, and telling them your problem, like, what are you? You know, that's, that's weakness. It's a sign of weakness. That's what we hear. And like, you know, oh my God, like there's something wrong. Um, She's crazy or he's crazy. You know, why do they see a therapist? Like, it's not, it's not. Like, we do need someone's objective view on what you're going through in your life. You know, and your friend cannot give that to you. You know, like friends are great. Like, you know, they're they're your support system. And when I work with my clients, I ask them who their support system is. But, you know, it's, but when you have somebody outside of your life without judgment or shame to listen to you for an hour, that's priceless. Mm -hmm. You know, it's. I agree. And I wish more people would embrace it. And I think, you know, with 
with the rise of anxiety in teens, and we've had this experience within my own family, and it's, it is so, life in general is so overwhelming for kids these days. And the parents, oh, it'll be okay, or oh, get over it. You can't approach life like that. Mm-hmm. No. And expect to have emotional success. And without emotional success, you can't have life success. That is true. That is true. I've never heard it put it that way, but that is that is definitely true. Because it's hard to find fulfillment, right? If you're not feeling emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can have the quote unquote success that people say that, you know, you make three, six figures and you have this excellent job, like, and then still feel like I'm not fulfilled. Well, because you're not happy inside. Like on paper, you look successful, quote unquote, but then you're inside, you're not feeling fulfilled. So yeah, that no, you're totally right. Like six, you know, it's hard to get, be successful if you are not feeling happy inside. Yeah. Emotionally successful. Yeah. Would you like to learn more about personal branding? Maybe you are ready to take your existing brand to the next level. The Brand Insider Mastermind will delve into every aspect of personal branding and help you create or up-level your personal brand, help your business soar to new heights. There will be an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to ask questions, an accountability partnership, an opportunity to grow your network and referral source, and much more. We will meet bi-weekly for one and a half hour sessions. During each session, a personal branding theme will be presented and discussed. Each individual will have time to ask questions and report on their specific tasks or action items. Goals and tasks will be set for the next two week period. And the Brand Insider Mastermind will be a place of accountability and connection with no judgment, only kindness and accessibility to personal and business development. The first session will start March 31st and run through June 17th, a total of 12 weeks. Each Mastermind participant will receive a one-on-one consultation at the end of the 12-week session. This is a value of $300, but will be included in the price of the mastermind for the introductory mastermind session. The themes that we will discuss and that will be taught during the mastermind sessions include the five C's of personal branding, the five W's of personal branding, the five components of a personal brand, how to identify your niche and ideal audience, content creation and differentiation, blogging, email marketing, networking, individual website and social media profile reviews and recommendations from me. Participant-led discussions based on questions and needs. The price for this is only $397. It is a one-time super low introductory price. Space is limited to only 12 participants to guarantee one-on-one attention. In addition to everything else mentioned, You will have access to my private Brand Insider Facebook group for ongoing access to the mastermind for learning, questions, and accountability. I sure hope to see you in the Brand Insider Mastermind in spring of 2020. To access the information, to learn more, or to register, go to my website, www.robingrahamphotography.com forward slash shop.
so I'm just, I'm watching you cause we're on zoom and your, your passion for all of this is just jumping off the screen at me. So that makes, that makes me think of, um, your passions that you listed out on the questionnaire and they were connecting and supporting women, normalizing mm -hmm. counseling, mm -hmm. helping first responders, volunteering abroad and creating memories with your daughter. And I oh. love that list for many reasons. But the first one, connecting and supporting women, um, that led you to start Diva Girl Philly. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit about the organization and maybe even a success story from people that, you know, someone that has been in the, pro in not the program, but the organization and, you know, the, the journey that you've seen them on just and how they've been fulfilled by Diva Girl Philly. Yeah, no, I love my diva girl Philly. I love the the women in our group and and yeah, and women do need that positive supportive environment where they can be in there and share the struggles and the joys of being a woman, being a mom, and then starting your own business or having your own business. And then having that space that you can talk about that. That that's normal to talk, you know, to talk about. And then you ha you can resonate with each other. You can relate to each other. Like I love that. And like with my background as a paramedic, I was surrounded by men. And then you know, and then I also worked in the ER. And there were a lot of women there as well. And there are amazing women, and I'm, there were amazing men. Um, and but I felt like there was something missing. Um, and uh, with there was something missing, and I feel like what what was missing was um, I found it when I went to the Diva Girl Conference in Toronto. Um, I wasn't sure what what was missing then, but but then when I went to the conference in Toronto, I was invited by a friend of mine who's Canadian. I was like, "Yeah, I'll come and visit." Um, and you know, and it's called a Diva Girl Conference. And she said, "Come." I'm like, "Diva Girl," like I'm a I'm I'm such a tomboy. Like I don't I don't do pink. Like that's not me. And she said, "Just come. It's it's a place where women are you know women business owners and empowerment." I'm like okay, cool. Like I'll go. And then I went, and it was a room filled with positive women and happy women, and they were just connecting and talking. And I said, "What are they drinking? Like I want that Kool Aid that they're drinking. I want to feel that way too." And I realized that these women have their own businesses getting paid for their passions and what they love to do and I said I want to get into that and then that's how Diva Girl came about and that's how I brought it to Philly and then with that with with that business concept I was able to meet other businesswomen in the Philadelphia area and learn about the failures the mistakes and also the successes plenty of successes that they've had and it started, of course, obviously small first in Philly, and then we started growing because with with everybody's like mindset and um, and experiences, sharing it with each other. What I found is that women are truly connecting um, and then ending up collaborating with each other. And I think that's the success story. Is that I'm just a host of this awesome events where in women gather together and then we highlight a woman we highlight you know a business and then other it resonates with other women and then they start collaborating and more things are happening
because of that. So that for me is a success story, being able to connect one woman to another woman and then collaborating together. So, yeah. I love that. And I, I, I don't know how we in, I found you. I think it was on, I mean, it was on Instagram, but I'm not sure how we actually connected and you were promoting an event and I signed up to go to the event because I thought this looks really good. And you had little mini coaching sessions and, um, I met some really amazing women there, but the energy level was so positive and it was, it was unlike anything I'd been to before. And I know this probably sounds cliche, but it was that there were smiles there just, it was just positive energy and it was very diverse. Like the, the mm-hmm. crowd was very yes. diverse mm-hmm. um, from age, gender, race, everything, or not really gender, but race and, and age and, and everything. And it just was, and as, and also career paths and journeys yes. and what people do. I mean, you've got people making soaps or candles to people, you know, running a, a six figure plus coaching business. And it just, it was, it was really, I guess, enlightening to me and, uh-huh. and to see that and to see all of the pod- positive energy and to watch people communicating in a way that was very supportive. It didn't seem like there was comparison. It didn't seem like there was judgment. It was, it was really, I don't know. I really liked it. It really made an impact on me the day that I, that I went to that conference. And of course, then I joined your organization and I have to say, you have been more supporting than any other organization I've ever been a part of because you immediately take someone new to your group and just launch them into your community. And to me that when you talk about empowering, you are doing that every second of every day between your therapy business and then Diva Girl, you are empowering so many people to live fulfilling lives. And I, I just think it's beautiful. Oh, those are such great words, Robin. Thank you. No, thank you so much. Um, I'm glad that you really, like that event made an impact. Um, and uh, there was no, like, you know, you didn't, there's no competition feel. Like if, I, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've been to um, networking events too, and there were a lot of pitching um, and it, it felt competitive. Um, they mean well, and there were a lot of really awesome women too. But like, um, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, like. Yeah, but I'm glad that you didn't feel that and you felt more supported and connected um, during that event. So I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, it was a great event. And um, I, I say all this, not just to put a plug in for you and your organization, but I think if people are, especially women in the Philadelphia area, are looking for um, an organization where to find support and to find information, like all of the, every month you have workshops and meetups and they're all learning experiences and i think it's just a great way for women who are thinking about moving from phase one to phase two you know starting a new career or transitioning from one career to another it's a great place for them to learn and find tools and resources and mentors for building a brand for success yeah yeah for sure thank you yeah we're right here for you so yeah it's it's really great and and don't let the term diva girl fool you because they're not all divas. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being right? that. I've had, you know. Because <laughs> at first I was like, diva girl, like, well, I'm not a diva. But anyway. Same thought I had. 
had, you know, five yeah. years ago. But um, but yes, you know, so so we're also like changing the view on that, on that word. So yeah. Yeah, yeah it's great. Um, okay, so now we've talked about how you're connecting women for mm-hmm. success and collaboration and and mentorships and everything. You also, and this fascinates me, but I can see as how all of this is connecting, like your world is, it's almost like a big spider web and everything is connected together, but you're also a matchmaker. And I think this is so fun and I want to hear more about it. Yes. Um, yeah. So I had started with that because I was working with um, with a first responder, and he was going through a divorce. And I was just like, okay, like we we worked together for about a year, um, and then after a year, like he felt like, okay, like I feel like I am ready to start dating again. I'm like, all right, cool. Um, good luck. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know anything about that. And then and you know, and then I realized, um, you know what? I know someone who's a matchmaker, and she was part of the Diva Girl. Um, community too um so i reached out to her and i asked her hey like i have this um this newly well not newly single but i have this guy who's ready to date again like will you be able to hook him up um set him up and then she said hey like um why won't you become a matchmaker um it's you know it's coaching and kind of like a counselor and you know and you match people up um i said oh let me give that a try um so she got me into this organization called talkify so talkify is a blind dating system that um has matchmakers um who are contract workers so a lot of the matchmakers are um dating coaches um, marriage and family therapists, um, counselors like me, um, and, and life coaches. Uh, so, so they, so they give us like Talkify is a company and they have the dating pool of singles and then they assign clients to us, the matchmakers. Um, and then we work with those individual clients and, um, we set them up with individuals who are compatible to them. Um, and without, and it's a blind date. So it's part of the adventure. You don't get to know um, the person's name or see their pictures. So it's very different from the apps, you know? Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's old, old fashioned way, but it's also, you know, it's, it's an adventure on its own. Well, it, I think it's kind of brilliant because I know a lot of people who have had really awful experiences with online dating. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are people who really want to find that one true love, but it's really challenging because people are fictitious on their profiles and they, you know, maybe just are not as honest or whatever. But I've heard of, you know, these just terrible, terrible stories. So you're like vetting the people to make sure that from a values and ethics and moral perspective, they would match up. Exactly. That's the perfect word, vetting people. But the the good thing, the good and bad thing about it is that, you know, someone may look good on paper. So the apps um, allows you to see that, oh, there's some similarities, you know, a lot of similarities and the picture is there, um, you know, and then you, you go on a date with that person. But for us, so we go through that, look at a profile, oh, like, um, he's very interesting or she's very interesting. They have, um, you know, they have a lot of similarities. 
then I talk to them on the phone and interview them. Now knowing our clients very well and then getting to know another individual. So we're like the, um, we do the screening process. Yeah. So they have to go through us first before they get to meet each other. Because that middle person who is me or the matchmaker is able to see if their personalities actually would match or they could be compatible. Because it's hard to see that on a piece of paper or on your phone, right? Um, so, so that is my job. And when I and and again, chemistry is something I cannot predict. Like you know, no one can predict that. And that is something that that's when the job of these two singles start. They, they meet each other and that, and you know, and they have a lot of similarities or, you know, or they are compatible based from my, you know, um, screenings of both of them. Um, but it's their job to connect. So when they connected on that first date, that's when they can figure out if there is chemistry and if this is someone I want to cultivate a relationship with. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, it's a lot of process. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's more, well, for me, it's more work to um, than going through an app and just swiping left and right and then go on a date. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's also less time consuming for the client. And then when they go on a date, the, the chances of it um, developing into a relationship is probably more than just going through the apps. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, I like that. That's fascinating. I had no idea that that was actually a, a thing. I mean, I've heard the term matchmaker, but I never really knew exactly what it entailed. So that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So let's shift gears just for a second, because you're, you talk a lot about um, like resilience through, you know, after trauma and all of that. So do you have advice that you give people that would be and I don't want to stay, say standard because no one situation is the same and we all handle situations completely differently. But is there advice that you can give related to overcoming and then thriving once you've been through a traumatic experience, be it physical or emotional? Right. Yeah. Um, so before we consider ourselves resilient, like I think we have to realize that we have had adversities in our lives, right? We all had them, like, you know, adversities, like that's part of life. Um, you have those adversities that happen um, and don't, I'm not saying that you go talk about it in public, but you also have to own those adversities that happen in your life. Own your story and, and know that you were able to, get through those adversities and that's what made you a resilient person you are here you survived all of that because you are resilient yeah so that is like how i'm gonna put it as as a general you know um bringing hope to to the general population um and that to know and remind yourself that you are resilient you have gone through a lot. You've had adversities in your life. Most of us do, but then you are still here and you're doing what you're doing now because you are resilient and own those adversities. It doesn't define you, right? But it's part of your experience, part of your life. And that, that's why who you are now. So you're resilient. 
Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Very well said. Thank you. Okay. So now let's shift back to like a business question. Is there one mistake that you made when you were transitioning from being a paramedic, going to school and starting your therapy business? Is there a mistake you made that you learned from that you could share that other people could then learn from? (laughs) I have plenty of mistakes. (laughs) Don't we all? So much. I made so much mistakes. And if I can narrow it down, um, um, I think it's who you bring onto the bus, you know, the people that you bring into your business or bring into your life um, while you are starting your business or while you're in it. Like just the mistake of not really like making sure that the person you're going to bring in is a good fit not coming out of like desperation because you needed somebody to be a part, to be a partner or to be with you because it's so lonely to be an entrepreneur. It's so freaking lonely. Um, you know, and then you're just like, you know, you get to a point where you're so desperate to have a partner. You're so desperate to have someone. You have, you're desperate to have a team or somebody in your team, but slow down, you know, like, Take your time and really be clear on like who you want to be with. It's like dating. (laughs) I was thinking that as I was listening to you. It's like, this is, you're talking about relationships in general. Slow down. Yes. Yes. Like, don't go, like, yeah. Like, that's like one of the many mistakes I've done is like just bringing somebody in um, and not really seeing that they're not a very good fit or, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so, yeah. Yeah. And that can be from a tribe, quote unquote, perspective, like who you surround yourself with from a mentorship and support system, all the way to who you hire to actually be hands on in your business. Exactly. Yes. Yep. You really have to be patient and weigh all options and check references. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and what's one piece of advice that you could give people, either related to business or really related to overcoming a trauma or a relational or a emotional experience? Um, I don't like giving advices, and that's not oh, just to clear, like that's not what therapists do. Like you know, like oh, like we don't give. I we I truly believe that um, people um, know themselves more than I do and I'm just equipped with the right questions um, that's a side note for like you know for as, as a therapist like like I, I don't give advice I just ask really good questions and then the answers you have it the answers is in you um, but anyways the advice <laughs> I don't give advice now the advice that I will give you no for me I think ask for help ask for help um, ask for help ask for what you need People can't read your mind um, and you can't assume that they should know or they know what you need. Um, We all need a support person. We all need help. And as moms, we don't have to do everything. Um, As mompreneurs, you don't have to do everything. Like ask for help. Ask for, and I have to remind myself that too. Give myself that advice that, yo, like ask for help. Like you can't do all that. And then you resent for not asking. You know, mm-hmm. oh, they didn't do this. Oh, you know, like I'm so tired. Well, are you asking for help? Ask for help. 
And you're yeah. not only benefiting yourself because you're getting a second person to help you or a third person to help you, but you're also allowing the other individual to, you know, to feel empowered. Like, I think that's empowering. Somebody asked me, oh, they're asking for my help. Sure. Like, what do you need? Like, I would like yeah. to contribute. You're giving them that opportunity as well. So ask for help. Yeah. And I think it's empowering to ask for help. Yeah. I think it, I think there is empowerment in just admitting that I can't do it all. Exactly. Because it allows you to move forward, whereas otherwise you're going to stay stuck. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we're getting close to being out of time, but I, I want to just briefly touch on one of your other passions is serving abroad. Mm-hmm. And I know you offer a serving abroad program or experience through Diva Girl, but just share some of your, um, just share a little bit about um, how you go about this, like how you got into it and maybe direct people if they were interested in serving overseas, how would they do that? Yeah. So this is really one of my passions. Um, so I got started when I was a paramedic and I started joining medical missions. I've done two medical missions in the Philippines. I've joined a group and that was awesome. And I realized that when we go there, um, we do our thing and then we leave. We give the medication, then we leave. And then we, you know, and I worked with dentists and dentists pulled bad teeth out and then we leave. And then doctors do a physical checkup and then we leave. And I said, that's awesome that we're telling them that we're here for you, but then we leave them. And then, you know, and then I felt like, like, I felt like we're just giving them fishes, you know, but we're not teaching them how to fish, you know? So like that quote, you know, like that's just in my mind. So when Divas Abroad came about and it was started by Laura Fortada, who is the founder and the the CEO of um, Diva Girl. And it was her passion to give back to women. Um, Now, Divas Abroad is something I actually really love too because the experience that we get from it is we are immersed in a culture of a different country and we usually travel to third world or developing countries and connect with the women. Most of them are women business owners in these countries. Uh, And when I say business owners, they're not, they are like, you know, those women who make bags like with their own hands and sell it on the streets. Yes. You know, or make food so and then they can sell it so they can feed their children. You know, like these are the business women in those in those part of the world that we world that we've been to. Um and and what we do is that we go to those communities and then um and then we connect with them and we learn from each other. They present and we present. Like, you know, um, and we have an interpreter who help us communicate with each other and connect. So we're both learning from each other. They're teaching us about their culture and how they do things. And we're teaching them about how we do things here. And then, yes, we bring something for them over there. Um, and that can only last, what, three months or two months, you know, three months at the most probably. But then, then we leave, like we don't, want that so our goal is to go there connect with them and and share something with them that like through workshops and seminars share something with them that can like it's teaching them how to fish i don't know if i'm making sense like am i am i making no it makes total sense so you're actually teaching them you're giving them the tools and teaching them to use tools versus giving them things that are going to run out whereas a skill lasts forever and they yeah, can exactly. the next generation as well. Yes, exactly. And then, so, so that's what we do. And then not only that, um, we, we leave them, uh, 
a fishing rod. You know what I mean? Like, so, mm -hmm. so here's something that you can use to get started. Yeah. Right. So, so yes. And then, you know, we stay connected with them. Um, and, and, and it's just a fun way to experience a country because we don't stay in a hotel. We stay, we have a host family and the host family always have like nice houses. Um, and there's like, you know, like seven to 12 women who will go with us from, from um, North America and then go there and eat with the family um and then and then we go in the morning we we do we work with the women in the community and then after that um after we work we we do a cultural thing so either we we you know we go to a um um, a spot that's popular or um, or we do a dance class or we do a cooking class like stuff like that and then you know and then and then yeah and then we that's what we do and it's just so much fun yeah so <laughs> you're really entrenched in the culture so we you're are, you're helping others but you're also learning culture which i think is great for overall world peace and just understanding other populations and other cultures and then to teach the next generation about that culture and those people so that then they can carry that on yes yeah 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 i love and, it and also realizing that you know other women from other countries also feel the same way it's pretty how they feel and what they need it's pretty similar to how we feel and what we need too in north america yeah, yeah it's a beautiful thing you should okay. come with us I, I am. One of these years, I am definitely going to do it. I've just been waiting for Gracie to get a little bit older and for my boys to kind of spread their wings because now that they'll both be in college next year, that opens up a whole different realm of opportunity. Right, right. So, um, okay. So, a book recommendation. Can you make a book recommendation for the audience? I'm so addicted to them. Um, and I, I have been trying to narrow this down, but I think as a business owner, um, woman business owner, or, you know, as a business owner, I think um, the, the latest book that really resonated with me and was really impactful to me this year, excuse me, is The, um, the Prosperous Coach. Prosperous Coach. Um, I forget I haven't the, read um, that. the author. Yeah, it's so it, it it's really good. Um, and just strategies on um, on like how you can market yourself or promote yourself without the marketing or the traditional promotion, and just really connecting. So what I got from that book, I was an intention for me this year, and that was abundance giving. Like that was just how impactful that book was for me um, this year. So okay, awesome. I will put that in the show notes so that everybody can access it. Yes. That sounds fabulous. And I haven't read it. So that'll be one I add to my list as well. Yes, for sure. Okay. Do you have a favorite quote? Yes. Uh, my favorite quote is by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> of Dr. Seuss. Yeah. So it's be who you are and say what you feel those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind i love that one yeah one of my favorites too i love it yeah yeah so you know like say say what you need ask for what you need be who you are and then if you get a no okay that's fine it's nothing personal and then if you get a yes from someone then it's meant to be awesome yeah are you a coffee or tea drinker coffee me too. <laughs> dog or cat? Dog. 
Me too. <laughs> and what is one what is one of your guilty pleasures? Do you have any? Yes, I have many. I shouldn't say that out loud. Um, so chips and social media. Chips and social media. I yeah. love chips too. Chips yeah. and salsa. <laughs> yes, like forget the sweets. Like I, I don't like chocolate, to tell you the truth. But chips, I could eat cheap chips all day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I love chips. Okay, so do you have a question for me before we run out of time? Yes, I do. I do. I do. Um, no, I think you're so fabulous. Um, and Thank you. Yeah, um, I think you're you're very very kind hearted, and I'm just wondering. Um, like, when you leave this earth, what legacy do you want to leave? Or what do you want people to remember you by? Oh, I want them to remember me as being kind and a servant to others. You're, yeah, you're definitely doing that now. Aww. Yeah, that's the, like, when I think of my daughter, like, that's my biggest goal for her is to understand she can be, she can have an incredible career. She can be strong. She can do whatever her heart desires. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is being kind and serving others. Yeah. How you made other people feel, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And that's why, like, some people tease me because I sign my, my signature is always smiles. And even at the end of the episodes for the podcast, I'll say, remember to smile. But it's um, that one smile can change somebody's entire perspective on life. And I just really believe in that. Like it just, it just, that's all it takes is a smile. And it's that, not hard to do. That is so true. Oh, you're giving me chills, Robin. That is so true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my answer. And now where can the listeners find you? How can they connect with you? Yes. So connect with me um, through social media. Like what I said, it's one of my guilty pleasures is to be on it. Um, so at Diva Girl Philly or at Resiliency Mentor. Um, you can also go to our Facebook, Facebook page, Diva Girl Philly or Resiliency Mentor. Um, and uh, go to our website, um, community divagirl-inc.com. Fabulous. Thank you so much for being here. I learned a lot from you today and I know the, the listeners did too. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Robin. You're amazing. Oh my gosh. Thank you. You are too. <laughs> and that's a wrap friends. Thank you so much for listening today. I am grateful to have you here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, will you please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review? That would mean the world to me. Ratings and reviews are what give life to podcasts and help others find us. And before you go, have we connected on Instagram yet? If not, what are you waiting for? Find me at the Robin Graham. Take a screenshot of this episode and tag me in your stories so that I can find you too. You can also find me on Facebook at Robin Graham Photography and on LinkedIn as Robin Graham. Please spread the word about the Second Phase Podcast. And until next time, remember to smile. <laughs>